Hey everybody, thanks for listening to this episode of My First Sketch. I'm Josh Hyam. If you haven't done so already, you can subscribe to the show, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, SoundCloud, Stitcher, get it automatically. It'd be cool if you rate it five stars and leave a review on whatever platform you choose. Like the podcast on Facebook, facebook.com slash myfirstsketch. Follow along on Twitter at myfirstsketch. Head to myfirstsketch.com where I'll post any of the videos we talk about on today's episode. Any questions, thoughts, or recommendations, feel free to email me at josh at myfirstsketch.com and I'll get back to you in a timely fashion. It's time to end my annual post-Philly Sketchfest hibernation. Philly Sketchfest was an absolute joy this year. This the weekend was a delight from beginning to end. I can't thank everyone enough. From the performers, the volunteers, the crowds, the venues. It was all just so great, really. And a month or so later, my heart is still full. Today's guest is Ben Koch, currently member of the Magnet Theater House team Milwaukee. Milwaukee came to Philly Sketchfest this year and absolutely crushed it in front of a standing room only crowd. Ben's first sketch is called Literally Dumped. Ben plays the role of James and I read Lindsay. So let's go to the sketch. Literally dumped. Open on James's apartment. Day. Lindsay and James are eating breakfast. They have just spent the night together. So I said, oh my God, this is literally the funniest thing ever. Lindsay, we need to talk. Okay, sweetie, what is it? Lynn, we've been together for over a year now, and it's been great. You're really great. Oh my God, babe, you are literally the sweetest. But I think we should take a little time apart. Yeah, all right. I can stay at my place tonight. Okay. Um, I'm thinking more long-term, though. Like, we should maybe... Uh, you know, see other people. Oh my god, are you breaking up with me? Yes. Oh my god, I can't believe you're breaking up with me. I literally can't believe it. I think you can. What? Nothing. Look, it's not you. You're great, okay? I'm just not in a good place right now. Earlier today, you said your life couldn't get any better. No, actually, I said it almost couldn't get any better. They stare at each other in silence for a beat. Can you help me understand why? I mean, this is literally coming out of the blue. No, it isn't. There is nothing blue about where this came from. What? It's just it, it's just coming out of the blue. No, this is literally out of the blue because, like, I didn't see it coming. You are literally breaking my heart. Again, it's figurative language. I am figuratively breaking your heart. Literally would kill you because... It doesn't fucking matter, James. Sorry. What about my brother's wedding? We had plans, James, and now you're just shitting on them. But not literally shitting on them. I can't believe you. I am literally crying right now. You're not crying at all. Well, I'm about to. Then I'm literally about to cry would be more correct. Lindsay is ramping up into a big speech, mostly ignoring James' comments. You know what? My mother was right about you. You are literally the worst. Hitler wasn't worst? I should have never had sex with you on that beach. It wasn't even good. Stan literally got everywhere. Figuratively. What about that thousand dollars you borrowed from me? I can't believe you're literally dumping me right now. Not even sure how you would do that. 
You were such an asshole. You've literally hurt me really bad. That wasn't even necessary. If you think you can just treat literally Collins like this and just move down the road and you better watch your back, James. Did you say literally instead of your own name? Oh, yeah. I literally fucked your brother. As she's as she is slamming the door behind her. Finally. Yes, that actually works. Wait. And black out. Hey, Ben. Hey. All right. So tell me about the sketch. Tell me about uh, this literally sketch. <laughs> so, um, <clears throat> well, I, I, I wrote this sketch for a sketch writing class. It was, I, I guess I, I'd never really written a sketch until um, I started um, a sketch writing class at the Magnet Theater in New York. And so this was one of our first assignments. It was like the first week um, he he had a, our teacher um, had us write down all of the uh, like a bunch of different um, pet peeves that we have. And basically the idea was that we could write, you know, that to focus on these things to sort of generate the jokes in a scene. And a pet peeve that I had was, was uh, people saying literally um, all the time uh, incorrectly, which, which uh, yeah. And, and as I was writing this, it all, it also um, very, it felt very um, petty <laughs> so yeah and so the, the so as i was writing it i i kind of liked it but the character of james who's supposed to be like me um kind of becomes the jerk because like you can't anyway that was sort of the way it sort of like um it came about but i, I wrote it for my uh my class i guess this would have been march 2015 i was looking at the okay. from it today so it was only like like four years ago Okay. Um, and who was the instructor of this class? Oh, um, Arma- Armando Diaz was the instructor. Um, and did you know, apparently, that they've actually changed the definition of literally to mean figuratively? <laughs> yes. Like, I'm sure that's come up before, but like... Yeah, it, was just... <laughs> yeah, it probably came up in that class. So they included it in the, <laughs> in the thing. And, and basically, my response was like, well, I, I prefer the... Uh, well it shouldn't be um it's yeah um i've never i've never staged this one this is not exactly one that i've (laughs) stuck with (laughs) that's that's the third time that's the third time already that you've answered a question i'm about to ask so that's fantastic you're already you're on the ball for me that's great yeah (laughs) um so so this is written for the class what prompted you to take this class um well i i've I'd been in um, taking classes at uh, Magnet in New York for a while, for probably about a year and a half at this point, um, and had been um, doing improv. Uh, um, I did improv in college and um, improv up uh, here in New York for a couple of years. And then uh, I was just interested in all these. I always loved sketch and um, and watching sketch. And always, I always wanted to try it, but I basically knew – but I didn't force myself to take a class. I wasn't going to do it on my own. So I, so I eventually took a class. I was interning at the time, so I was able to take it for free, which is very nice. Um, 
and uh and yeah so then i i got into it and kind of jumped right into it and really liked doing it um uh right away yeah it was sort of an extension on my the improv that i was kind of already doing so and you mentioned um that you had always liked sketch so tell me about what you're into growing up what were you, like what made you laugh as a kid oh um lots of stuff i i don't know where to begin with this answer um <laughs> <laughs> Uh, uh, I mean, you can start all the way at the beginning. What was like the, the earliest memory of like televised comedy for you that like you enjoyed and you're like, oh, I need to see more of this, you know? Oh, yeah. I mean, lots of sitcoms probably at home with my with my um, uh, with my family. Um, my my dad, my brother and I were very big Simpsons fans. So whenever we were kids, we were actually we would watch. Uh, we would always watch the Simpsons all the time. So that's, that's probably the one of the ones that was like the most consistent, like through my childhood. And then my dad loves, um, loves, likes comedy a lot too. And would show us, uh, make sure we watched, you know, uh, I love Lucy reruns and, <laughs> um, and Bugs Bunny. We watched, we watched a ton of Looney Tunes, Bugs Bunny stuff. And I loved, loved that stuff as a kid. And as I started to get older, I started to like, that branched out into my own things that my dad didn't really ever um, introduce me to. Like, you know, one of my good friends growing up got me into like the kids in the hall. Um, and uh, my dad always loved um, Saturday Night Live as well. And he would, we would watch a ton of Saturday Night Live. And, uh, um, <laughs> and after um, like school, I remember VH1 for a long time would just have reruns of like 90s Saturday Night Live forever. Yeah. It was like in like the 2000s, like when I was in middle school and high school, it was like early 2000s, they would just play like 90s Saturday Night Live and I would just watch that like immediately after school, like every single day, uh, you know, all the time. So I, yeah, I got I got into uh, so, so many things. <laughs> yeah, it's great. Um, I ask everybody, I'm always curious, do you have a favorite Saturday Night Live cast member? Favorite Saturday Night Live cast member? Yep. Oh, that's such a tough question. I, I'm, I'm also, I'm the worst at answering favorite questions. I always am like, Oh, my favorite. Here's a list of five. Um, <laughs> let's go for it. Let's break it down. <laughs> um, I think, um, uh, let's see if I had to name, if I had to, if I had to name five, I would say, <laughs> I'd say Chris Farley is definitely, uh, on there. Um, uh, Phil Hartman is probably also uh, very close to my top favorite, um, if not one of them. He was also he also did um, he's also news radio. And if you ever watch news radio, I love that show. Yeah, uh, news radio is pretty fantastic. It's a new, really really funny show, and he was on that too. Um, but I I love Phil Hartman. Um, um, was one of my favorites. Um, I was never a big like like Adam Sandler guy too much. I liked plenty of his. Um, I think he was kind of right up my alley, like age wise. But I was never like super. He was never like my favorite. Um, uh, but yeah, I guess um, I guess I, I I'd say it's uh, actually I'm going to stop it too. I'm going to say it's pretty like it's it's taken up by probably Phil Hartman and Chris Farley. Honestly, are like. 
And I just realized I just picked the two guys that died. <laughs> yeah. Uh, like, I have not mean that to do that. I have a very like, uh, similar reaction to them because they died within like six months each other roughly. Right. right. Um, and that was when I was starting to get into Senate live. Mm-hmm. So like Senate live, like they didn't do it very often, but they like, they aired tribute shows for Farley and Hartman. Right. And that's how I got into them and, and knew them very more. Like, you know, I, I had known Phil Hartman because of uh, the Simpsons, because, you know, he's Troy McClure and Lionel Hutz and all these characters yeah. that I just realized have not been on the Simpsons for 20 something years. Yeah. And that's just yeah. bonkers to me. But then like a lot <laughs> kind of, I'll think about the Simpsons and I'll think there's no, there's no more episodes that have, that have Troy McClure <laughs> coming on and doing a weird commercial or you may remember me from such films as, yeah. you know, I, I, I think about that when I think about new Simpsons episodes. Uh, yeah. Like that's crazy to me, but like <laughs> Very crazy. their, their best of episodes were like groundbreaking to me mm-hmm. because for different reasons, like mm-hmm. Farley's with like his characters are so, just so manic and so alive. Yeah, yeah. And I, I feel Hartman's so much more subdued and subtle. Yeah, at times, so much more the straight man. But it feels kind of um, that feels almost like I, I guess diminishing to him to just call it a straight man. I don't know. I also don't want to. I always feel like straight man feels like a dirty word, but it's also not. <laughs> Uh, but he, well, he what he would be he would be a lot of the the straight man, um, and at the same time, like he could totally hold a sketch by himself. Like there's a right. sketch on his best of called the Anal Attentive Chef, mm-hmm. and it's such a brilliant little piece of character. Like I love it, right? Uh, I, and whenever Phil Harmon comes up, because he's one of my favorites too. If not my favorite, like I think when I've asked this question to myself, it's been it's been Phil Hartman. But like, hmm. did you read his uh, the biography that was released a couple years ago? No, uh, I forget. Like I forget what paper he works for, but some like journalist actually did like go around and interview a ton of people in his life and like got a full biography of them and like like real legitimately authorized like full thing and it's it's just it's fantastic and it's yeah. heartbreaking and so sad and yeah just like i mean we look back now and he was such a star of that period but he actually never he didn't think he was yeah like he was so scared that he didn't have a character of his own or because like he was the straight man in so many sketches yeah yeah like it, it, it's just uh phil Harmon's great and he, yeah, he, he really is. I remember like, um, and his story is that too. And, and also I'm sitting here and saying Phil Harmer is maybe one of my favorite cast members. I'm also, I'm also realizing that I, I can't think of very many like sketches that I love that he's been in, but I remember like anytime he was in it, I was like, this is great. But I just like, like he was also like before he was on SNL, he was a big, um, uh, he was already like a, an established uh, graphic designer and like, yeah. you know, before he got into doing sketch and performing and that kind of thing and was big fans of like John Lovitz and or he was like friends with John Lovitz, uh, who I remember hearing an interview with John Lovitz a couple of years ago. And you can just tell that he was still just in awe of Phil Hartman, just like 
he was like coming up in the LA sketch scene um, a little bit behind Phil Hartman and Phil Hartman was already like so established. You just tell that he was like so in awe of Phil Hartman and then they both got on center live and he would, he, he says that he, you know, championed to have him sort of cast and all that kind of thing. Um, and just that, you know, he, he just said he was like so cool and part of it kind of came from, he, he kind of knew that he could kind of walk away from it. <laughs> yeah. Like he's already established yeah, um, that Phil Hartman, Phil Hartman came to sketch comedy much later yeah. than you would think normal people like regular people do. Mm-hmm. And he didn't need to do it. Yeah. Like, and then another thing that blew my mind growing up, and I don't know if you had the same experience or you were watching it, but like he helped create Pee Wee Herman and is one of the screenwriters on Pee Wee's Big Adventure. Right. Like I when I found really, that out at like 15, I was like, what? Yeah. I never really watched Pee Wee, but I do remember, yeah, hearing that and being like, oh, really? Okay. Didn't know that. It's crazy. Yeah. Uh, so how do you then um, get to improv? Like what makes you sign up for your first improv class at the magnet um well actually i um uh i was into performing sort of as a kid um uh, doing stage stuff i actually um really wanted to get into theater fairly young because um i kind of lay this at the feet of my grandpa <laughs> my grand my grandfather in is loved the theater his entire life and when he retired, he started doing a lot of like local theater in North Carolina where I'm from. Um, they live in the Greensboro area and he just started doing a ton of like local theater. And so as a kid, I would always go and see him like um, on stage acting and stuff like that. And I was like, that looks like fun. I want to do that. So I, I tried to do that sort of as much as I could as a kid. And and I was taking theater in high school. Um, and we we had this. Our theater teacher was uh, I, not the best, I guess. <laughs> I don't I don't know. I don't want to don't want to disparage him, but he he was like like any time any like semester we had um, like the, the the like musical coming up. He generally was focused on that rather than our class, and so he would. It was very clear that we would come to class some days, and he would have like nothing prepared. They had no idea what he wanted to do. He was worried about like getting stuff ready for like the musical that night and like building sets and stuff. And so it was just like, sometimes I was like taking theater and it was just sort of like these theater classes. Uh, I took like theater classes every, all four years. And I swear every single one were the same class. He just redid it. And it was just like, <laughs> I was like why, what am I gaining? by gaining the different levels. And it was just sort of like more time in the theater and performing and having fun. Um, and I think probably theater two, maybe it was even theater one. Um, but he started to just, when he didn't have anything else, he would be like, let's do some, uh, improv games. And he would like start doing improv games with us. And those I loved every second of like everything else that we, we would do. I, you know, I enjoyed or whatever, but for some reason, just like getting up and just making stuff up as soon as I'm doing, uh, like half the class just really hated it. They were there to like take, to get like an easy A to, you know, that's really like most of the team wanted, wanted most of the class wanted my, my high school. And, uh, and I was the annoying kid who was like, yeah, I'll go first. Uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll do this improv scene. But we, we played um, freeze um, games, basically that he would just take from um, whose lines in anyway. 
uh, and uh, and he would always he would love to do these scenes where he would go he'd go okay and he tasted this so many times this is my favorite scene so I want uh, so Ben you're gonna try and return a pair of underwear that you bought to the store and and Cindy or whoever you're the the store clerk and he was like it's great I love this scene because you can't return underwear and I was like okay and that, then like as I took improv I was like he he set up a like <laughs> he set up a uh uh a scene to say no and that was a transactional scene that's <laughs> for improv but he was more of a theater focus guy I think and just sort of doing that but um Anyway, from from there, I loved doing it. They sort of introduced me to actually physically doing it. And then from there in college, um, we had a college. I went to Appalachian State in uh, North Carolina. Um, we had a uh, a campus improv group called Noun, uh, and we and I would and I watched their shows. And then my junior year, I finally auditioned um, and got on the team, which was. Um, uh, very exciting for me. And then I just had so much fun the next like two, three years, um, of my five year state college, um, like, you know, three years just being on this, this great team and just having so much fun. We did mostly short form stuff. Then I ended up, um, taking some other classes at a, uh, at a uh, theater in, um, Chapel Hill, formerly DSI. Now, uh, I think the pit South is what it's called now. Um, it was in Chapel Hill, North Carolina. And then, um, after that, I, I, I moved to New York, um, not too long after that. Um, and with the intention of like, oh, I'm going to do improv and comedy stuff in New York. Um, and, uh, I was looking at, and, and I, and I still haven't really done very many things at other theaters. I've just been at the magnet. And, and a lot of people have said, I've talked to a lot of people, their stories about coming to the magnet and their, their stories are generally Oh, I was doing stuff at UCB and somebody recommended me here, you know, usually recommendations. I knew of three improv theaters in New York when I moved here and knew of UCB, the pit and magnet. And when I was looking at classes, cause I knew I wanted to take classes, the level one for magnet best fit my schedule. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I signed up for that one. And, uh, and, you, uh, you did it again. You, you answered a question I was about to ask <laughs> preemptively. So that's again, fantastic <laughs> down. because I've been very curious when I talk yeah. to New Yorkers, like of why they pick which theater to, you know, start with mm-hmm. over the other. And it's never like a good reason of like, well, this, you know, so-and-so like, it's just, yeah, this, this theater was better at my schedule at that point than the other one. That's it. Exactly. Especially uh, because when you talk about like this over, it, it's usually the question often is like, is why did you pick this over UCB? And it's, and usually the answer is because UCB sells out so quickly and it's very difficult right. to get classes there. <laughs> and it was just easier to get a class at this other place, you know, for the time being, um, uh, which is, it's true, but yeah. You, you talked about, you know, doing theater as a kid in North Carolina. Like, did you have any roles that you particularly loved? Well, I, um, I, I probably got more into actually doing bigger theater once I got to high school. Like I would do, would do like a drama camp here or there uh, sure. when I was young. But the once I got to high school, I started doing um, more and more uh, 
theater on stage. And there's probably two roles that were like my favorite. Um, uh, we were doing, we were doing it. And, and, and in high school we would have the way our school was worked. We would have every, every spring or no, sorry, every fall we would have, we would do a play and every spring we would do the musical and the musical is always the big ticket one. That was the one everybody wanted to do, but I had absolutely no interest in singing. I didn't want to sing. I didn't want to take chorus. I didn't want to do any of that. Um, but everybody was like, but more people would be focused to be into doing the, the, uh, the musical than the play and the plays almost always had fewer parts. So basically I was like, okay, I'm going to have to start auditioning for these musicals. if I want to be on stage at all. Um, so the first musical that I, that we did was, um, sound of music and i had a couple like sort of chorus parts basically in the sound of music but i had a callback for max which was i was into because it was like a comedy part and i really wanted to do anything funny um the on stage and so max was like is like uncle max is like the funny character in sound of music which is not a particularly funny musical but um that was right that was that you know that musical then then um um but the uh, the next year we did the mystery of Edwin Drood as the musical. Have you ever heard of that? No. <laughs> so it was an it was it was a, it's a musical based on the unfinished novel by Charles Dickens, and the basic premise is that it's a is the musical itself is you're doing a musical as a theater troupe who is putting on this show who's putting on a show of Edwin Drood, the unfinished mystery. Uh, um, and he died before he finishes. There's no ending. So the ending of the musical, literally the audience votes on the ending and it's all done very tongue in cheek and it's very funny and over the top and fun. And I was cast as this drunk character. who's like the drunk of the town. And he's also the drunk of the, the performing like troupe. So I just basically pretended to be drunk for the entire show, for the entire show. And, uh, <clears throat> and I, uh, uh, and it was really funny cause, uh, that was probably my favorite, um, role that I played just cause it was wall to wall comedy kind of, uh, and I didn't have to sing a ton, but I, but I did, you know, some, um, uh, but they would vote, uh, the audience would vote, um, at the end of like, they would vote who kill who was the killer, who which people fell in love at the end. There's like a character who who historians think that was actually supposed to be revealed as a different character in the show later on. So you so you discover who that person is. Um, that's who vote voted on. And all of these have a song that finish out the whole uh, the whole show. Um, and I never learned my murderer song, so I'm really glad I was never voted for that <laughs> because <laughs> I was just kind of like. I kind of banked on the fact that I was not the best singer and that generally the crowds wanted to hear the better singer do their murder songs. It's, and so, and I was right. The better singers got, got those voted more often. Um, but I was voted as one of the lovers multiple times through the run that we did the show, uh, because it was funny to watch me, uh, be in love with like this other character who is just very off type. Um, and so the one character is like this very, um, um, very well-to-do woman and um she was played by this this um this woman who had a very opera um voice opera style voice very big voice uh and i was drunk 
and and we went to sing like as lovers and i'm like singing as i'm drunk and she sounds absolutely beautiful and i sound uh, <laughs> ridiculous and um i made a break on stage because we got to one line and i forgot my line and so i just drunkenly stammered just made noises basically and then she just sort of broke and like had to turn her face away from this st- and i was just uh, anyway loved so anyway i love that part <laughs> at least she had the wherewithal at that time to be like Oh, oh my gosh, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> oh, this character could do this. And like, yeah, like at least that's a nice <laughs> instinct to have. Yeah, it's just sort of like following the momentum of what that was. Is, uh, yeah, yeah, you're right. It, but I was just like, you know, following the momentum. I'm like, I don't have words, but I'm going to say something. So whatever's going to come out is going to come out. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, but that was, that was so fun. Um, just being and part of that was too is i think one of the things that i love about that character and about like when i was doing musicals in high school is that when you're playing like these parts in like a chorus or something and you're in the background all the time like you don't have something you're specifically supposed to be doing and so i would just be constantly doing stuff i like i was just constantly chewing the scenery and pulling focus (laughs) as much as i could because it was more fun, <laughs> more fun for me to do that, you know, just like to make my own. As the next year, I, I I didn't get a big part. I was a I had a um, we did Bye Bye Birdie. I was a character called Harvey Johnson. It was a very it was a nerd who like dresses up as a as a nerd. He's got like one line in the first song of the show, and then I just kind of was a character that is just in the background of like all the scenes. And I would kind of come in and do some sort of like funny physical bit, but I didn't have any like lines or really any impact to the plot for the rest of the show. And I would. Um, uh, but I just had fun just being like, okay, well, this character is a huge nerd, so I'm just going to be extremely nerdy for this entire show. And just anytime I'm on stage, I'm just like living in this like physicality of this weird character. Uh, and that and made my own sort of fun. As much as I wish I had more lines and could like, you know, be out there more, I was just kind of making my own fun. Um, yeah. Hmm. How? Do, where do you get to the? Um, so you get to, you're going to school at Appalachian State. Mm-hmm. Appalachian is Appalachian. Sorry. Like, okay. No, it's one I, of the things that like when you go to the school and you're from that area of North Carolina, it's like, Oh, we say Appalachian, but like everybody else in the country says Appalachian. Was, yeah. Cause like, cause I do know about the school because one of like, there was a, like a really big like football game a couple years ago where they beat like a, a really top mm-hmm. team, Michigan. I was there. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I was, <laughs> I was at that, at that point. Okay. Uh, I was in t- 2007. I had just finished my freshman year in college and, or yeah, I finished my freshman year. We were, I was about to start my sophomore year of college mm-hmm. and, uh, and then they, they beat Michigan, um, that first game of the season while they were there. And the other thing, like I worked at a camp one summer, like in the mid two thousands and, uh, like the adventure program director was from that school and he was like yeah. telling everybody like, yeah, just established residency in North Carolina, and, the, and it's really cheap, and you're great, good to go. I was like, and like a lot of them were like, "Oh, absolutely, let's do that. Let's go down there, go to cheap school." I'm just like, um, whatever. It doesn't sound <laughs> any better than where, what, here. Where was this? Were you from? Uh, really? This was in like Western Pennsylvania. Okay, where in where in um, by Pittsburgh? Uh, um, about like an hour and a half east of Pittsburgh. Okay. But like, yeah, he had just he had just graduated, and because mm-hmm. apparently there's, I guess there's like an outdoor adventure degree 
there, I think. Yeah, or something. That, uh, that sounds right. They <laughs> Appalachian has a lot of my my major was English, so <laughs> I I didn't have too much overlap. But yeah, they they have all like they they yeah they had like some sort of like outdoor adventure type thing. My favorite thing about that school is I got p- my two PE credits in snowboarding. So <laughs> we had a oh, snow, nice. we had a snowboard hill like not too far down the road. And I got my credits in snowboarding, and it was great. Uh, that was one of my favorite things about that school. It's just it's in the mountains. It's away from everything. It's 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 a really neat place. So you leave Appalachian mm-hmm. with uh, an English degree. Yep. What, what propels you to go to New York? So, um, so I moved back home, and this was 2011. So it was like the worst time to be right out of college, and I could I could not find a job, and I was at home. I was like living at home. And it was like months and months and months. And I like had no job, like sitting in my parents' house. And they're just like, what are you like just getting increasingly annoyed at me for being around all the time? And I, um, uh, and I ended up getting a job in a, a, as a teacher assistant in a preschool class because my mom worked at a school and she got me an interview. Um, and that was fun. But it, um, my, my girlfriend, um, at the time, my now fiance, uh, she was, um, finishing up school in the Boone area as well. And, um, then got into a musical theater school up here in New York, AMDA. Um, and when she got into AMDA, she was like over the moon. So excited, you know, she was going to move up here and, and start doing musical theater. And I was immediately like, great, I am coming with you. (laughs) We are moving together uh we had by that point we me and her started dating just out of honestly right after i started college so we've been together now for about 12 years so at that point we were already together for like five years uh so when we moved um we were like let's let's move we can move in together we know we can do it and um so we, we moved up here we moved in together she's sitting next to me right now uh being annoyed that she has to be quiet Um, but, um, yeah, so, so we basically just, I, I had always wanted to live in New York, um, at least for some of it, you know, I'd always wanted to go somewhere where there was bigger, a bigger comedy scene. Like, like, but since, since I would been doing improv, I was like, if I have the chance to move to New York or Chicago or God forbid LA, uh, I will, I'll, I'll take it because I would love to do, um, comedy in a, in a, in a bigger sort of market for it, I guess, where th- to me it felt so much more important to do it in New York than in Raleigh, <laughs> which it, it's, it's not as important. Uh, comedy is great to do anywhere. Uh, yeah. But, but, you know, <laughs> let's be real. Like go to like a top five for it, a top 10 city in the country. Like yeah, the comedy yeah. scene's going to be a little different than in North Carolina. Right, for sure. And I mean, I also grew up with a big um, romantic view of New York. My, my grandmother and grandfather were from were from New York City, born and raised and in like the Depression. Uh, and then, you know, grew up there, they met, they had kids lived outside the city. And then when my dad was about 13, they moved down to North Carolina. So they just had like the utmost respect for New York City, they would visit New York City all the time. I didn't really go as a kid. It was a far drive. Um, I didn't go. I didn't visit New York City until I was eighteen. Um, 
but after that I was like, this place is awesome. <laughs> uh, and when you're in the South, um, if anybody listens to this and they're from the South, they'll understand anybody is like New York. Oh, everything's so loud and moves so fast there. I don't know if I could do it. Great to visit. And I'm like, I know I love how fast and loud it is. It's <laughs> <much better> here <laughs> from Garner, North Carolina, where I was living, there was not necessarily a ton I could do. Uh, and you have to drive to, you know, to do stuff. Uh, but it was, uh, you know, so I, 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 I always wanted to live up here and it was just like, I'm going to take the chance as soon as I can. Um, and so, yeah, we moved, we moved up here and then I, I kind of waited. I was kind of nervous about it, I think, but anyway, I, and I was broke. So I just kind of waited like two years, I think a year and a half, two years before I even took a, an improv class anywhere. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, um, okay. So you, you head to the magnet, you just happen to pick that class because that's, that's the, the, the schedule that works for you. Yep. <laughs> um, you do you do any like imp- indie improv like teams yeah um um not probably not really in, not until i got to level like to into my level three class my level one class was a great group uh, but i didn't click so well where we were just like let's go make an indie team like uh not quite to that point it was um but it was a, it was a fun class uh, but level two and like level three at the magnet it was a a tight group of people who uh he a few of us sort of were like we should make our own like independent team a lot of us are still friends now and still do stuff together um and that was there was a, a group called temple cats that we put together that we we decided on the name because we were at one of our teammates houses and she had a cat encyclopedia and we're like all right we're picking our name by flipping to a random page in this cat encyclopedia and that's <laughs> going to be our name and then, and then we flipped and it was like Temple Cats. We're like, we're Temple Cats now. Uh, so that was our, that was our team. <laughs> and we, um, we did some indie stuff here and there. Um, I don't know if you ever heard of the Queen's Secret Improv Club. It's out in Queens in New York. Um, it no. It's no, no, no longer around. Poor Cusick. Uh, it was this small sort of indie improv theater that did shows every few nights um, out of the Queen's Secret Theater in, in uh, Long Island. I think it was like Long Island City. It was somewhere in Queens. And um, we did like a weekly show there for a long time. Um, uh, yeah, so that was that was my main one. And then later another another um, team. I'm, I, I, I didn't I didn't like I, I would get so burned out on just watching indie improv. And so I like it was hard for me to be on. I feel like it was hard for me to be on a team. It's like I had so many. Um, there was only like so many people who I would be hanging out with who I was like, Oh, I super want to be on an indie improv team with you and, you know, take a lot of my, my, my time to go do it. So, but I, I would here and there, um, do stuff with temple cats. But for the most part, it was like, it was like, can I really, I know I, I get to do improv and that's great, but also I have to sit through a lot of like, like improv that is like, it's varying degrees very varying degrees of quality <laughs> i understand i'm like man i'm getting burned out on some of this indie improv out here uh so so yeah so i i was really only on probably two um indie teams um during my whole time yeah and one came out of a class from 
there was a class team that was put together for um, for the magnet. That team was called Fire Muffin. Yeah, I, I didn't know that, but oh my gosh, so group. many names are so awful. It was it was it was really it was apparently a reference to a YouTube video. We were like, that's dumb enough. We'll use it. And then um, <laughs> that was a reference to a YouTube video. I didn't realize. Um, but then uh, then we we were Fire Muffin. And then when we ended that class, we decided we wanted to keep performing together. We called ourselves Phoenix Muffin because we we came back from the ashes of this class ending. Was supposed to be the idea, anyway. Oh goodness! Uh, <laughs> and then you take and then you take sketch classes. So how do you get to Milwaukee? So I took I took sketch classes one and two. I kind of took them back to back real close. I did a lot with the with my classes. Most of the time, I would take them all back to back as quickly as I can. I just wanted to get through them, and I wanted to be able to like try and go for house teams as quickly as I could, I guess, is what I was very focused on. Um, and so I did one and two back to back and I had a, a packet. You really only had to submit like two, um, um, I guess two sketches. I guess it was two sketches um, for, um, to be a writer for a sketch team. So I had, I had two from the class that I um, really liked and um submitted those my first time out and uh and then also auditioned to be an actor when i and that first time out i, I got put onto um, a team and i was super excited uh <laughs> and um it was called dinosaur jones we actually did dinosaur jones actually did philly improv fest two years ago i think anyway um yeah group, we we were i think so i was put onto that that team um and at that time I, I really wanted to be a performer and a writer, but the season before that season, everybody was writer performers, no matter what In my season, everybody had specific roles. They decided to start incorporating that and you could okay. be a writer performer, but for the most part, people were writer or performer. And I really wanted to be writer performer, writer performer. I was like, I want to be, I want to do both. <laughs> I was like, if I'm, if I'm acting, I know I'm just going to miss like putting my own things in there. And if I am writing, I and I, which I was because I got on as a writer at first, I was just missing like being up there. And so I just basically, we were on this Dinosaur Jones team, which was an incredible group. And we still find time to like perform every once in a while up here. We were together for two years, um, five seasons, which is a lot of seasons for a house team. <laughs> and uh, we were, we were around here for, for, um, for a long time. And then we sort of, um, and then, and then we all kind of were like, all right, let's, uh, I think we're all kind of burned out. We, you know, we, we went our separate ways and I, out of that whole group, everybody was just kind of a little bit burned out of the sketch program. Some people were taking time off. Some people were doing some other things. Um, I was the only one who wanted to, who super wanted to continue doing the like house, house teams at magnet. And so I put in again and I was placed on in Milwaukee and that was, uh, uh, this is our third season. So that was, uh, it was like a year ago that we started um, Milwaukee. Um, and and were you on that uh, original incarnation of Milwaukee? Uh, yes. Yeah. I was the, um, um, yeah, I was the one writer performer um, on the okay. team at that time when they put the, they put the thing together. So. Um, so uh, with Milwaukee, uh, describe, describe Milwaukee to me then. Like um, it's, it's an interesting group. We, um, uh, I, I, 
I didn't really know anyone before we started. Uh, as, as much as I was in the program for a while, it was one of those things where I was, I was on this one team for a while. Um, our team kind of moved to doing, uh, Dinosaur Jones had kind of moved to doing weekly shows for like a season. Uh, oh goodness. Doing, so it was different. Yeah. So it was different from the monthly that most, um, the house teams are doing. We moved and we're doing those. Um, and so we were kind of separate from the rest of the nine house teams, um, which were Mondays. We were on Friday nights. Um, and then we went back to Mondays after the Friday nights um, ended for us. We went back to Mondays for another season before we ended. But it was one of those things where we just kind of turned around and I realized I didn't really know hardly anyone. Uh, mm. A lot of new people had come in, new faces. And I realized like a lot of um, that. Uh, I think sometimes I'm, I'm a very social person, but also sometimes I'm not. <laughs> I'm very not social. And so I just, there was like, oh man, so many people who maybe I should know who I should have talked to. Uh, and I don't know any of these people. Uh, so anyway, it, it was, it was, it was, um, it was an interesting group. I was, I was put on, I think we all kind of got along pretty well, pretty quickly. Um, Cause a lot of, a lot of other people on the team knew each other, had been on teams together. A lot of them had done stuff at the pit together. I had never, I've never done any pit stuff, but you know, we all had people we knew in common for the most part. Um, and, uh, that original mix was sort of, there's only three guys on the team. Um, and only me and Zach, um, who's the other, uh, um, guy on the team right now, we were the only writers, uh, we were the only male performers. Um, so that, uh, uh, which was awesome. Um, we had one male writer, I was a writer performer and then the rest were, um, were women and uh i hadn't been on it all the other teams i've been on actually have been a pretty even split um and uh and i don't know i i was i was always excited by that, by that i just hadn't had that like um that experience yet and uh um that was fun but we quickly kind of got this weird voice of a mix between biting social like and political commentary like uh, very up to date sometimes, and just the weirdest bonkers stuff I've ever seen. <laughs> One of our writers for our first season wrote a sketch called "Teeth." It was about a dentist who just had human teeth <laughs> so, just laying around. Yeah, and then like in that same show, we had like uh, you know, in, a, in another show, I think the next season we had a thing about um, a whole sketch about Elizabeth Warren. Uh, you know, and, and stuff like that. So it was just like, we would go back and forth between these like really weird and then like kind of like heady sketch. We still kind of do um, that stuff a lot. But I think, I think, and that that's mostly been my experience. We're, we're, we have an extremely active Slack channel. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we're always talking to each other all the time. Um, and just, it's just sort of, uh, um, yeah, being goofy, I guess. I don't know. You had mentioned, well, in that last bit that I, and I was very just like, uh, long, wow, not, not wowed by it, but like you'd mentioned that dinosaur Jones went weekly. Yeah. <laughs> so like new stuff every week. No, like not, entirely new. No, no, not really. Okay. So thank God. They were, <laughs> so they, they basically were going for a, um, a, a sort of a uh, veteran team kind of thing, which they're still doing now at the magnet. Um, the executives, which is another team, they were formed at the same time as Anderson Jones was, 
um, uh, really wanted to kind of break off and do their own thing at the theater. And um, they said like, well, why don't we do like a veteran sketch thing or whatever. And it became this like Friday night show of, uh, but they, they were like, but you guys got to go up with another team. We're not going to give you a whole hour. And um, so they asked us to join them. Um, and we joined him for a, like for a season and, and did weekly, did weekly shows. Um, and they did weekly shows and we basically would just try and do, we would come up with our show for the month and then do that show every week for the month and tweak it from okay. week to week, uh, with the idea that, which sometimes you were just like at the end of one week show, you're just exhausted and you're like, Oh man, I do not want to have to write. I'm already writing next month's show. I don't want to have to tweak, <laughs> you know? Yeah, but, for sure. Yeah. So it was, you know, so it was just like, it, it's like, Oh, we're not doing new stuff every week, but it still was a, a churn. It like really, it burned us out a bit. Um, and at the end of that, they decided that, um, I guess they didn't want to continue with our team on the weekends. So they <laughs> <laughs> moved us back to Mondays and they, toyed around with having executives up with other acts and, um, and then that didn't work out. And then they ended up getting it. Another team went, went, um, went. So now it's now, if you were to go to the magnet Friday night, which I recommend it, cause they're very funny teams. You would see the executives and nitro girls. Those are the two sketch teams that they do every Friday. They do a, a show. Um, part of it was also, I think the executives push themselves to do like themed shows every month. And now they do basically narrative sketch shows every month, uh, which is really, really interesting and, and wild to see them pull it together. <laughs> a lot of friends on the team. Um, and it's, it's interesting to hear them um, uh, talk about it, but we were trying to just do, we were just, we just wanted to do our, like our fun, goofy, weird sketches that we were doing with Dinosaur Jones um, on up on, you know, from week to week. So, I think I think maybe they didn't like us because we were not quite as ambitious in that. I don't know. Mm. I ask everybody. I'm always curious. I uh, it to me this is essentially a writing podcast, or at least about writing. We never ever really dive into the writing aspect of it. But podcast, not writing. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) At least in my head, I always think I'm a I'm a. It's a writing podcast, right? right. But what is a what is a piece of advice that you would give to a new writer? It could be either like, um, you know, about just the writing of comedy or something that comedy has taught you in general, like that, you know, some piece of wisdom that you've learned. Um, um, I would say my main piece of advice, probably the thing that I probably learned the best in my like, um, sketch writing classes and has carried over to a lot of writing for me has been to sort of trust my gut. Um, especially when you've gotten to the point where you feel like you kind of, you kind of know your voice and you kind of know where you, what you're going for. Um, in my, in some sketch classes and some classes I would have, everybody was welcome to give notes and um, people would give terrific notes. And some people would give notes that um, were, not as helpful. I, I would, I would think because, um, it felt like they didn't quite see what I was going for. Or sometimes like I get notes with Milwaukee and we'll do notes 
and I mean, I do this all the time. I get wildly off topic and I start giving like pitches and stuff for stuff that would be, make it completely transformed. Sketch would make no sense. And if you listen to every note that you get, you're going to end up with gobbledygook uh, sometimes because people like, I like giving notes, <laughs> but people should not listen to all the notes that I give because I like to just run off the mouth and just riff on like whatever I find funny and, and what I think may need to change. And, and my opinion might change after I've said that out loud, honestly. <laughs> so I, one of the biggest things that I learned was was honestly how to how to how to how to listen to the notes that best work for you, uh, uh, and sort of ignore the ones that feel like they don't they don't sort of matter. If that makes sense. No, it makes perfect sense because uh, <laughs> like don't listen to people you don't like. <laughs> right? No, because no, it makes perfect sense because. I don't have the skill mm-hmm. of being able to not roll my eyes at bad advice. <laughs> right. Right. Like I like to think I'm pretty good at not being like somebody gives me like a weird note. And um, this, that's, that's another big, big skill to know is how to not be mean when somebody's giving you notes. Cause I also think that those part, all those people who are giving you notes and you're like, I don't know if you fully get it. There's probably, <laughs> there's a kernel of something that they're getting at. And like, there's something obviously that didn't feel right to them that is making them comment on it. And so sometimes I kind of ask my, I, I will, I'll ask myself, okay, well, I don't think that's exactly what they mean, or it probably would be as helpful to me to do this, but right. what, what isn't coming across in the sketch that I think should be. So how can I get that? Like, how, how can, what can I add or change to make this come across better? Yeah, is there any wisdom in what they're saying right now? Like, yeah, right, <laughs> it's probably in there at some point. You know, just try and be in their head. What makes them say that? You know, that kind of thing. So, and then finally, um, to get existential and you know, <laughs> life affirming at the end, why comedy? Why is comedy the way you spend your time? Uh, I like to laugh. Um, it's just simple, dumb answer. But I, I ask myself this all the time. And it's honestly just like, uh, uh, I, I like to laugh. And when I was a kid and growing up, I realized that I could make other people laugh and that I was having much more fun when other people were laughing and I was laughing. Uh, <laughs> I come from a big family who everybody thinks they're very funny and most of them very, very much are. And um, it was sort of, as soon as I could start cracking jokes, it made everything like much more in, enjoyable and, and happy, I guess. So that basically I like comedy because it makes, it makes me feel better to laugh and it makes me feel better to make other people laugh. Uh, thanks Ben. Yeah. Thank you, Josh. Milwaukee is heading to the Portland Sketch Fest this weekend, performing on Saturday, July 13th at 9 p.m. You can head to sirentheater.com for more information about Portland Sketch Fest. And if you're in Portland, I'd also recommend checking out Pure and Weary, who perform on Friday, July 11th. Milwaukee will return home and perform their season finale at the Magnet Theater on Monday, July 15th at 7.30. Go to magnettheater.com for more on that show. My first sketch is a Philly Sketch Fest production. You can find out more information at phillysketchfest.com. You can follow Philly Sketch Fest on Instagram 
at Philly Sketchfest. The music on this episode is by the band Nono, which you can check out at nonoband.bandcamp.com. Like my first sketch on Facebook, follow the show on Twitter, rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. This is Josh Hyam. Thanks for listening. Go see some comedy. And rest easy, Artie Johnson.